Welcome back to the Joe Cozo Show. Today's show is sponsored by MyPillow. Go over to MyPillow.com. Right now, I believe they have a two-for-one sale. You have to make sure that you use promo code TJCS to get up to 66% off. Again, MyPillow.com. Today's show, we have a fantastic guest. I think you're going to love him. His name is Rob Cornicelli. He is going right now for the New York 1st Congressional District. He is what you would say a true American first patriot. He doesn't only just talk the talk, he walks the walk. Again, I think you're going to absolutely love this guy. And with that being said, let's start the show. All right, welcome back to the Joe Cozo Show. We have lots to talk about. I got something going, I got something cooking here. This is the big leagues, it's New York. I said I was in the worst neighborhood, man. I said, I had a near-death experience. Crazy? Robert, if you've been through what I've been through in the past month, you'd be, you'd be crazy too. All right, Robert Cornicelli, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So for some people that may not know who you are, just give us a little brief synopsis about yourself. So I'm a candidate running for Congress on Long Island. Don't want to really say what district, they keep changing. But uh, I am a eight-year veteran of the Navy, 13-year 13 veter- 13 retiree from the Army, went to school in between at our, our alma mater, CW Post. CW Post. Yeah, great school. So you, so if, if, I, if I just may interrupt there for a second, you went to CW Post, but before that you were in school as well. Right. So you went back to school. So my life in education was not easy. I mean, I got out of high school with maybe a 1.6 average. No, don't worry about it. I was... I was... My, my ADHD... I, we, they didn't have... Well, you're close to my age. They called it hyperactivity back then. There was no diagnosis for ADHD. And, you know, this, this scraping noise when I was in school, I, I could never focus. So when you get into those higher type classes, those advanced classes like calculus and, and whatnot, you miss one class, you're, you're behind and you still don't know what's wrong with you, it just makes it so much worse. But I tried to go to college at Hunter College at a wrestling scholarship and it was just horrible. But a funny thing is when I took the ASVAB to get into the Navy, I said, this is my last shot at doing something with my life. I aced it. I think I missed two questions. And I'm, what do you chalk it up to? Luck. But um, I, what I was gonna say is, I, you know, from some of the things that I was reading about you, you and just correct me if I'm wrong here, because I, you know, when I was reading this story, I, I was really impressed. You were at CW Post, right? At at um, was it maybe around 2000, 2001? 99, I think. Ninety nine. Yeah. I graduated in two thousand, and then nine eleven took place, and that was what made you decide to get, go into the military. Is that true? So I still had a year left. When nine when nine eleven happened, so I, I had to finish my college. I wanted to go back on the service as an officer, but now I'm going to be an advanced officer in age. So I said I have to start training. I took about a year to train to where you know you want to become an infantry officer or something along those lines. I want to combat. You had to be in shape. Wait, you wanted so you, and, and this is something else because I got to tell you, I, I it's it's a part of me that when I look back, I really wish I would have done differently joining the military and having some type of experience and giving, you know, at least four years to my country. But you wanted, you you said after 9-11, I want the combat? 
You weren't afraid to go in there, and I mean, I, I don't know what your family situation was at the time, or what your health was at the time, but you you literally wanted to go in there, and and go into combat. You know, I listen to Jordan Peterson a lot, and he talks about being right and being effective. I. I, I I think what happened to us was wrong, and I wanted to do something and be effective, and I, I didn't know what it was, so I said, the Army's got the best choices. I can go combat, I can go intel. I wanted to be in a position where I was effective at getting back at those dirtbags who attacked us. I knew infantry was definitely an option. I scored, I believe it was a, a 97 out of 99 on the ASVAB, so I knew I can get that. I went for counter intel, which I got. But I knew I was going to fall back on infantry at some point. So, yeah, it, to be effective at getting rid of terrorists, you got to hurt them. Yes. You don't hurt them from behind the desk unless now you're flying drones. So, Did you have a – were you married at the time? Did you no, have a family? No, I wasn't married. Okay, so you go there. And I read also that you got hurt yeah. when you were overseas. Can you just tell us a little bit about your stay, where you were, where uh, you know where you were placed, and what happened? So, as you know, as you get up there in age, when you get hurt – it gets worse when you don't recover properly. Um, I was training in air assault and I fell out of a helicopter. It wasn't that high, but I fell and I hurt my back, hurt my knee, hurt my shoulder, but I did not want to get recycled. So I just kept going. This was an infantry officer school. I didn't say anything to anybody. Then we were doing a night movement and we were using night vision, which means you can't see depth. You could see, but you can't tell if the grade of the, of the ground changes. We all fell down this riverbed and got even worse. Where were you deployed? Well, this is this was just in training. Okay, okay. This in happened training. in training. Then when I got when I went overseas to Kuwait, it got worse. But um, it was it started out falling out of that helicopter. Then it started out. Then then it got worse when we were doing a night movement. We fell into this ravine, and it just get getting worse and worse. And I never wanted to really take care of it. I wanted to deploy and do what I had to do. But the funny thing about where I was, I always got pulled off for something special. I don't know how. I've always seemed to be in the right place at the right time. So when I got out of infantry officer school, I was I was the honor grad in, in OCS, Officer Candidate School. I was runner-up in infantry officer school. So people always looked at those titles and, and looked for advanced jobs. I got pulled to the counter-narco-terrorism task force in New York City. So instead of going overseas, we were watching... Part of our mission was to watch the terrorists that were trending us in our ports. So we always knew, all right, there's somebody from Al-Qaeda or overseas in a port or in Penn Station or in Grand Central Station watching, let's say, when the MTA dogs come out, when the guys come out to swipe you for, for explosives. Someone's always trending that to see if they can find a way where, okay, they come out every hour. They get tired around five minutes before the shift change. That's when we're going to hit. We would look for those guys. Or we'd pull over a, a, like a tractor trailer and we had this vacuous truck. It was like a cherry picker and had an x-ray arm. And we'd x-ray the trucks looking for hidden compartments for drugs. Because if you could track the drugs, you track the money. Track the money, you find the terrorist. So there was a fusion center in the city. It was called the High Intensity Drug Traffic Area Fusion Center, HIDA. DEA, FBI, NYPD Intel, um, Customs Border Patrol, every group was there. Um, sharing information to track and trend these terrorists. So I did that for two and a half years, and then it just kept snowballing to the more and more great missions. So then what? how did you get then deployed over to Kuwait? 
Well, the, after that, I landed the uh, aide-de-camp to a two-star general, which was one of the greatest jobs. You ever watch the movie Turn? No, I never seen that. Oh, my God. Good you movie? No, I'm a big movie buff, so I got to... It's a series. It's a series. Washington's Turn. Turn. Washington's Turn. Oh, you got to watch this show. All it right. was about Long Island and Connecticut and where Washington's um, spies were based and how they operated going across the, the Sound and throughout New York. Oh, man, it's great. I was an aide-de-camp to a two-star two star general, and you could see what an aide-de-camp does in that, in that show. And I went to the domestic all-hazard response team. Now we were ramping up how to respond to a domestic terrorist attack here. So somehow I got pulled for that mission. Then after that, I went to Kuwait, and we were responsible for area defense, defending Kuwait, setting up, you know, any, you know Iraq always wants Kuwait. They want their oil. So we were um, tasked with defending Kuwait. Got hurt, even worse there. Came home, and while I was recovering, I bumped into a close friend of General Flynn's who brought me over to DIA, where I became the executive officer to the director of intelligence under Flynn. You're talking about Michael Flynn. Yeah. Yeah. That's how I became good friends with him, and that's how I got that, that endorsement. Which what, was a, what a what a shice job they did to General oh, Flynn. Oh, my God. It's disgusting. Can you believe it? What was your opinion? So, you know, I know we're going to fast forward here, but let's, you know, net, you brought him up. Yeah, let's let's go back to say 2016. Were you uh, were you huge on Donald? With you know, voting for Donald Trump? Did you want Donald Trump? Were you always a Donald Trump, you know, advocate, or were you someone? Did you like somebody else in the field that at that time? Well, we always knew about him when he used to talk about it back in the days of the TV shows where he was talking about, hey, one day I'm going to run. And he was on The Apprentice. He was always just a a, a great guy, but didn't know much about his, his political aspirations other than one day I may run for president. But with Flynn, Flynn would say when he was the director of the DEI under Obama, there's a deep state. There's a deep state. Something's operating within our own country. He'd say it. And that's why they removed him. Because he kept, I mean, he's the director of the DIA. The guy I was executive officer to was the spy master. They had 4,800 spies all over the world here. They're saying something's operating here. There's a deep state. We have to watch us. And he kept getting shut down, shut down, shut down. That's why Trump chose him. He knew that, that Flynn had the goods, that Flynn knew where these guys were and how they were operating in every agency taking down this country. But Obama... So you knew, you knew, Flynn knew he was going to go down. The, the, I, I, I cut you off. The one thing to understand about General Flynn, and people have... When they say something on Facebook, it bothers me because... Flynn knew I'm going to get taken down for this. I probably will get killed. And he still kept coming at, there's a deep state operating here. And he had no fear. And that, he knew at that time, the president of the United States, Barack Obama, hated his guts. Oh, yeah. And he still did what he was doing anyway. You know, that's why I, I think he's so admirable, to be honest with you. He knew that they were coming after him, still did his job. And you could just tell somebody like that is an America first type individual. It's another thing that makes me so angry because you have this general who's sitting there saying, listen, there is something going on, but yet everybody around him wants to brush it under the table. And you're right about Donald Trump wanting to him to come on to there. But, you know, Donald Trump also had, in, in my opinion, surrounded himself at first with some people that he shouldn't have had. You know, it, it's difficult because he's not coming from politics. He's coming from basically the streets of New York, to be honest with you. And, you know, what again, going back to General Flynn, what I saw that was just a catastrophe. Yeah, and Trump made some mistakes, but who wouldn't make mistakes if you're not an insider? You come into the White House, and even people you've known for 100 years, like Scaramucci, turn on you because they're in it 
too. Scaramucci, Cohen. Or they're invited in it once they know, once they're told, you help us take him down, you're in. Like Scaramucci always wanted to be in. He had the money. He just didn't have the influence to get in with that deep state, these these powerful people. You you know all the the rumors of Bilderberg and, and the, uh, you know, um, the World Health Organization, the, um, I'll think of it in a second, but these these global networks that want us destroyed. Yes, I know. They want control over everything we have. Well, let's 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 now go back for a second here. After your military career is over, when did you uh, when did you finish? I was retired in December two thousand seventeen. Two thousand and seventeen. What made you start getting the itch that you said, you know what, I'm putting my military career to bed, and I want to get into the political arena because a lot of times people, you know, it's it sounds great at first. I want to get into politics. I want to help. I want to do things, but. And you could correct me if I'm wrong here. I haven't been in politics like that. I haven't gone, you know, thrown my hat into the political arena. But once you're in there, it's a whole different animal. And I'm sure you could tell us about that. I've been part of the Republican Party for 30 years. I've been a committeeman. I've been the president of the Beth Page Club. I wouldn't say I had a problem with authority because I excelled in the military. I have a problem with authority when they're doing the wrong thing. And you're told, just be quiet, we'll, we'll offer you this, or promote you here, or give you a shot at a, at a position over here. I have a very big problem with that. It's not how this country is designed to operate, and it doesn't. In the Army, the officer eats last. The senior enlisted eats second to last. The Joes, <coughs> the Joes eat first. Here in politics, everyone, all, all the leaders eat first, and I call it pigs in a trough. They leave you crumbs. That's what it's designed to do, constantly, so they can control you. It's almost what's going on on a national level. Leave you with nothing, so when we offer you something, we can control you. The Republican Party does it too. Democrat does it, they all do it. They all want to control their subjects. I was offered a very good job coming out of the Army in the DIA, at GS-13, which is almost unheard of. I was going down to Reston, Virginia, and the job I had was with OTO, Office of Technological Operations. Bro, I can't even tell you the things I saw in there, the, the, the technology that they created. No, give me a, give me an example, obviously, if you have some type of... In, Body you know. armor that you could basically see through. Not really? see through, it means cameras, yeah, I mean, weapons that turn corners, just stuff like that. But um, my wife wanted to come home, she was homesick. She had lost her identical twin years ago, and she was homesick. I said, Cynthia, if I go back to Long Island, my mindset is always on, I have to fight everything around me. In DIA, work for the government, I can fight terrorists, I can do these things. If you get me back there, I can't just be a garbage man. I gotta fight. There's fights everywhere. Not saying there's anything wrong with that, but I know what you're saying. You know, not physically. There are fights that need to be fought. School boards and fire districts and all these things that I can't sit back and But you have a burning desire to make things happen. She said, I want to go home. I said, all right, then I gotta get involved in politics. But as I was coming back and forth on my surgeries, we still had our house on Long Island, even though we were living down in D.C., I was doing food drives for homeless veterans, clothing drives, filling the Northport VA. We would feed homeless veterans every holiday. Then we'd get catered meals. I was always doing something in my community. Even in the 90s, I did Meals on Wheels. In 2000s, I was going to Central America with school supplies and books and computers. I was always doing something. But Long Island is unique because it's, there's so many corrupt people in office. And no one's got the guts to stand up to them. So I started looking for more and more people who wanted to change it. And, and we got involved, and then 
but always still doing so i have a 501c3 called veteran recovery coalition every holiday thanksgiving christmas hanukkah super bowl st patrick's day easter passover memorial day every homeless veteran on long island we bring catered dinners to isn't it isn't it absurd how this country supposed to be you know the premier country in the world how they treat their veterans there's a there's a there's 139,500 homeless veterans sheltered that we know about there's 1.4 million veterans living out or below the poverty level there are 550 million uh, 550,000 homeless americans 34 million americans living out or below the poverty level and what are we doing sending 40 million dollars or 800 million dollars to ukraine you know what only 57 republicans had the guts to stand up against that bill that passed yesterday 57 the rest voted with the democrats to send 40 billion dollars to ukraine why do you think that that you know let's, let's talk about that for a second here i would love to get your opinion on that what is your overall opinion on ukraine why are we having a proxy war with russia it's it, it's so difficult to understand there are so many nuances there's so, there's so many things going on there that we don't know about like why why were we making russia think that we were going to let ukraine and nato why are we pushing them or allowing them to be pushed because biden's weak the democrats are weak the rhinos are weak we the way we may i mean think about it this way if russia was going was using mexico giving them a lot of money making them feel like they could be allies that they can position troops and missiles and and things like that air defense in mexico what would we do this is a china or what if iran was trying to win over Mexico. How about just the Cuban Missile, Cuban Missile Crisis, what happened? But this is on our border. Yeah. Ma- no. Imagine what we would do if Iran started putting troops in Mexico. Like, did we push them? I just don't, we'll never know because the deep state is operating in these boundaries and we don't know what the goal is. Is it to create a food shortage? I mean, there's a food shortage. You see, you're reading it all over the place, food shortage. Baby formula, go to the shelves, they're empty. It's not America. It's not the America that I grew you, up. The best way to control people? Fear. 100%. Uh, you, you were saying the way you grew up. I'm sorry. No, but I'm saying that, you know, the America that we see right now, today, is completely different than the America that I grew up loving, living in. Couldn't wait. I, I, I mean, I could, uh, just everything about America was the best that you could possibly want. But going back to this whole Ukraine thing, you see these Democrats, but like you said, it's also Republicans like Mitch McConnell. Like, what are we doing? We're sending all of this money, which we don't have, by the way. We're in a deficit already. There's a reason why inflation is through the roof, because we keep printing and printing and printing money. But yet, we're going to still consistently do this. And here's the thing. My question is this. What's the end game? You have a nuclear power in Russia, right? So how far are you going to push Vladimir Putin and put his back up against the wall. You think that he's going to surrender? What is he going to do? I, I'm, this is actually not, it's not a rhetorical question. I'm asking you this directly. Vladimir Putin gets pushed back, his back up against the wall to the point that he's either going to have to surrender or fight back. The only way that he'd be able to fight back is do what? Nukes. So what's the end game? I'm asking you, what is our end game here? Biden never served. Kamala never served. I don't think Blinken served. I don't think Mallorca served. I don't think they think that far. I think they, the problem with the Democrats, and, and I give the Democrats more credit than I give rhinos. The problem with the Democrats is they operate on emotion. They think they're doing the right thing, so they jump on it. That's why all these kids are the way they are with abortion and with 
BLM and Antifa, they jump, they respond, their response is emotion driven. And I think the Democrats at the top still do that. We have to go in there. Like, I don't think they have a plan. Like, the deep state ones do create chaos all over the world so this world order, so this control, this UN control can take over. They want the UN to control us. Like the UN tried to pass a law saying we're banning weapons, citizens from having weapons. I say it's like, we're not adhering to your rules. What do you, that's what they want. But yet we're having that, and this came out, I believe the other day, about the World Health Organization having the ability to tell us how we're gonna handle pandemics or, and things of that nature. And this is not the United States. Why would we ever wanna give up any of our autonomy to other nations who don't have anything like how we do? It's just, it's, it's amazing. And that's why I'm so, you know, I was thrilled when I was able to get you to come in here because you have America First beliefs. And, you know, we need people like that to run this country. Not people like, say, Liz Cheney, Adam Kissinger, Nancy Pelosi, Mitch McConnell, that I believe that don't have our interests. And they're all tied for chi- in with China as well. Mitch McConnell's wife is making a fortune. They're with, all making a fortune. They're, they all are. I, I want to tell you something about that. Two things about America first. It's not a title. You know, it's not something to put on a flag and say, I'm America first. America first isn't a mindset either. Some people think, well, I'm America first, I have the mindset. So you're America first because you're acting. And again, I go back to Jordan Peterson. He talks about, don't be right, be effective. We're right to be America first, but we're doing, we're doing, we're, we're acting. We have objectives, we have missions. You're completing your mission by getting these things out online. You're, you're doing something. Don't be right, be effective. With America first, action. Any candidate that says they're America first, all I tell people to do, Go back to Facebook, Twitter, when they announced. Go back six months. Then start scrolling. Find out the food drives for for less fortunate people. Find out what they did in the IDD, the intellectually and developmentally disabled community. Find out what they did on the board. Find out what they've been doing their entire life that makes America first. You can't just say I'm an America first because I believe in these things. You might be right, but have you ever acted have you ever completed a mission that was America First driven? Have you ever been effective in any of the things America First fights for? Parental rights, getting school board members on, fighting CRT, fighting DEI, fighting fighting what I call the, um, the cultural appropriation of, of inclusion. Inclusion is autism, it's IDD, it's including kids in other classrooms where they would always be put in a, in a resource room. Now you're saying inclusion has to do with trans? No, I'm fighting for that. That specifically targets a- I never thought of it like that with what you just said there. The inclusion part of the special education, the kids that are less fortunate, meaning have some type of mental uh, capacity that they can't be in regular classes. When I was on the board in 96, they started doing what was called full inclusion, meaning when I went to school, probably when you went to school, kids who had developmental disabilities or intellectual disabilities, they went to a resource room. Yeah, resource, ALP room, whatever it was called. Now it's called full inclusion. My daughter was in a full inclusion kindergarten class. And if a child had autism, half the class would be developmentally disabled or intellectually disabled kids. The other half would be kids who did not have disabilities. And kids would learn how to deal with other children. You can't take that away from that movement to get kids with these developments, uh, developmental disabilities take that title away and throw trans in there and then think me 
I'm going to not fight inclusion. No, damn straight, I'm fighting your version of inclusion, your version of equity, your version of diversity. You're not taking these words and think we're going to be too afraid to attack them to be called, we'll be called racist, we'll be called transphobe, or whatever it is. No. Fight back everything. Let them call you names, because that's all they do. But that's the thing with America First. You, you got to be in these fights. We've been fighting CRT for four or five years. On my radio show, I was the first person nationally, look it up, who was fighting CRT. You know how I knew? Some guy, a professor from Loudoun County, somehow heard about me, called in anonymously and said, you got to look into the CRT. So we started looking into it like, holy crap, this is everywhere. People wouldn't, no elected official on Long Island jumped into the CRT fight till six months after that. It's really like, they're like, oh, I can't go against this. It's ridiculous. America First has to be action. These mom groups, Moms for Liberty, NASA, Moms for Liberty, Suffolk, SOS, all these groups, show me your face. People's Coalition of Long Island, they're rabid. You mess with their kids, they are fighting these fights in the streets and their elected officials don't say a word about it. America First has to be what Democrats and rhinos are Why? action. Why? Why are these elected officials scared to say something? Why would that be if we're living here in a country and we have these fundamentals that we've grew up, you know, knowing, loving, learning, living? Why would there be elected officials scared to stay, say something against a CRT? It's generational. Who now would drop their Xbox controller and grab a pitchfork and go fight in a revolutionary war? None of them. We would lose right now to the British if it was back then with the type kids we have now who, well, actually, I, I watch TikTok a lot and these kids are coming back. These women are coming back. Minorities, you know, you always hear minorities, kids are all on the left. They're coming back and they're seeing there is something to fight for here. But last last generation, the millennials, that's all they want to do is de -de 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 -de. They wouldn't grab a, you know, an axe and go fight in a war. At 14 years old. No, and I think our elected officials over the last, because our leaders are so poor, like the South County leaders, the poorest of them all, they were never taught to, that they're going to go in there and fight. They were taught that they were going to go in there and do whatever the chairperson told them. So here was a fight that really needed to be fought, and the, the, the county chairperson out here didn't want any part of it. So of course his elected officials aren't going to fight. No elected official goes against the chairman or the chairwoman. They're afraid because they're brought in. You'll do what you're told. You'll use these consultants. You'll use these treasurers. You'll use this. You'll use that. You can't act like a man. Like... Masculinity has been sucked away out of men. You know, it's now, it's toxic mascul masculinity and, or, and it's angry women. Which this whole country is based on, if you really think about it, who built the bridges to get across these, these uh, you know, parcels of land? Who built all of the buildings? It was men, real men, that every day woke up and built this country. And then all of a sudden, now these men are the devil. Yep. Right? It's the most ridiculous thing. But who's going to... Who, who more who are incarcerated at a greater rate, men or women? Men. Who are doing the bricklays and the gar garbageman jobs? Men. Who are do, doing roofing? Yes. You know the whole everything. So the the cars that you're driving. The inequality argument. I mean, everyone knows women have women have the exact same capabilities we have. You can you can provide just as equally for your for your family, but men take the worst jobs. You know who who died at the the greatest rate in wars? Men. Men are still the only, you know, when they talk about my choice, my body, or my body, my choice, how, what about men who get drafted? 
men who have to sign up sign up for selective service. That's forced on you. Yeah. What about, Talk that, about one? that? Yeah. And there's a lot. There's a graver risk to having to get into the draft and go sent over to Vietnam. Yeah. Yeah. No, I understand. Let's go back to 2017 now, though. So here you are. You make. You had this great cush job. It seemed like down in Virginia or D.C. You said, and you decide you want to come back here. How did you make the decision, and and how did you start your political career? I just get. I got involved in a local party, but um, uh, there was a there was a a master sergeant who was coming back from a, a, a con- his fifth combat deployment. We actually just did a testimonial with him. He lost his house, his wife and four kids were homeless. I said, I'll help you out. He was gonna move to Florida and move his kids in with his parents and just get a, like a warehouse job. I said, stay here. We'll find a municipal job for you. You will be taken care of five combat deployments. You're not going into a warehouse. Went and met with Pat Vecchio, they got him a job. He went through different jobs within the county, but I noticed that he got harassed a lot. There's a there's a guy with 100% PTSD, hurt like you can't even believe. Had a, you know had a Spanish accent. He came from El Salvador, and he would constantly get harassed wherever he went. This guy, you you can't light a firework on Fourth of July off at the house next to him. He he will crawl under his bed like he's in bad shape. And I noticed these leaders in these towns, not the, like the supervisors, but like a highway foreman. They don't know how to deal with a guy with PTSD. If that guy's up all night because someone was lighting off firecrackers or a backfire, they're late. There'd have to be different rules for people returning from war, but they don't care. Did you have you have PTSD at all? Uh, I don't. Okay. Uh, I I will never say whether I do or I, whether I do or whether I don't. I deal with my ADHD, my dyslexia, my injuries inside. i I've been able to internalize it and control it. I, there's too many people out there, and I'm, I'm going to get a little sad, but there's too many people out there suffering for me to show any weakness at, at this point. So um, this guy was getting harassed badly. So I confronted one of the Republican leaders who I thought was behind it, and he was, and he admitted it. And he said because this guy was helping out his competitor, a guy who he didn't get along with. Well, how, how would he know? doesn't matter you chose sides. That's when I decided to not just be a player to take over, to get rid of these people and put in people. I didn't want the position. Put in people who have, you know, our community in, in mind. I was going to run the races and put the people in, but I wanted someone else to take, you know, the leadership positions. And we effectively took committee people from this guy every year. It was in Smithtown. And um, last... Memorial Day, I was having, and so I've been doing that every every year, taking more committee people from this guy, Bill Ellis. I didn't really want to run for office. I wanted to be behind the scenes in the party, getting better elected officials elected, not these people just do nothing. But we had been fighting critical race theory in the schools, DEI in the schools. We were still doing- Everything that happened with COVID. Yeah, we were raising thousands upon thousands of dollars for people who had autistic kids who couldn't get to their residences, who had to stay home with the parents to give them money to take care of their households. We were doing everything with our, with our veteran group. But come Memorial Day, I couldn't raise enough money to do a Memorial Day dinner for the homeless veterans, and I was freaking mad. I like mad. What year was this around? Last year. Okay, last year. It was getting harder and harder, and it was COVID. It was also people just didn't care. And I, I remember, I don't know if it was in June, somewhere around there, Lee Zeldin said, I'm running for governor. I'm like, screw this. I'm running for that congressional seat. 
I don't need permission. I don't need party bosses, even though I was the only candidate to go through all five screenings and the chairman who will one day be removed. You're talking about Jesse Garcia? Yeah. Okay. He put out the rules. You had to make all the all the screenings to be considered. I was the only one who made all five screenings. So you made all five screenings. Lilo the other made candidates zero. didn't make it, no. but nothing gets said out of that. Right, and I met with him at a diner with Bill Ellis. We all shook hands. I was the last man standing, but he could not get through his head. I was the last guy standing. Started with nine people who wanted that seat. I was the last guy. And we shook hands. Everything's to be buried about me trying to take out your committee people. I was doing this for the right reasons. And I'll tell you another thing. I'll be retired from the town of Oyster Bay. So let's just say I make $110,000 a year for my town job. Congress, 174000 so with my retirement, I'm like over 200,000. Well, my wife and I already have it drafted up with our attorney. We're donating everything over what I was making. I'm not making a dime on this. Every ounce of money that we make over what I'm making is getting donated because I'm not going to increase my wealth by being a congressman. And they knew this. They knew this was all about America first and they don't want that. Why don't they want that? Why would somebody- Because I'm uncontrollable. Like he said one time, I don't have the temperament to be a congressman. Well, if my temperament is reaching across the aisle and shaking hands with someone who says all white kids are born racist and racism is, is embedded in every institution in this country, I can't compromise with you on that. I can't compromise with you on defund police, so I'm not shaking your hand. There are things there are, you can never compromise on. If that means fight to the end, then that's my temperament. And if my temperament doesn't equate to what you think it should be, which is play nice with these people, the radical left will never play nice with us. It's not the Democrats from the Kennedy age. They want full control of our lives, our health care. Bro, we got to abolish the IRS. Why do they want to know what you make? Just get rid of it. Just a 10% sales tax. You want to buy a $5 million boat? You're paying 10%. If I want to buy a little dinghy, I'm paying 10%. Why do they need to know how much we make? Why are they in education? Why is it Department of Housing and Urban Development? Why do we have these institutions? It's so they can control everything about us. And they're all involved, just like Flynn said, the Republican Party too. We got a clean house. Get rid of these agencies. All they're used is to get out of health care. Obamacare's got to go. Just get out of our lives. Let us live. We'll do the right thing. We're going to help those in need. You would. Yeah, no, I understand. If you saw more money, you can help everyone. You're really big on this whole deep state theory tell us a little bit about what you think is actually happening behind the scenes that makes you sit here i, I mean i'm with you with it but i would like to hear your your think, theories here i think there are globalists out there i think there are people out there like soros and gates who believe that they know what's best for humanity they they believe that with them running the show everyone will be equal people in africa people in south america people in america will all be happy and healthy and will be eating nice they believe in this. And I appreciate that they have these beliefs, but they don't work. You can't force me to work hard to provide for someone else. You know, if you don't want to bring in religion, it just it, bring in nature. It doesn't work. There are going to be people who take advantage, and there are going to be people who don't take advantage and work hard and, and just want to be left alone. You can't force things on people. But in their mind, they have this socialist view that we know what's best for everyone and you will comply. Yeah, and they want, like you said, it's re it's really interesting to hear you say it and other people say it. 
you know, they do want control. And the more that they, and I feel like this whole inflation thing, everything that's going on with the economy is all self-induced. I truly feel as if they want Americans to suffer as much as possible and then they come in with whatever programs that they're gonna try to introduce and they'll be the savior. And then they'll have these, you know, it's, it's what they're doing, in my opinion, with the Democratic Party, and you could say some of the Republicans as well, but the Democratic Party does to black Americans. They just use them for the vote. They don't really care about black Americans because if they really cared about black Americans, they wouldn't have Planned Parenthood sitting in the middle of every single one of their, you know, communities. There's a I, reason for I that. I wonder who killed more black, I wonder who, who killed more people, ethnic cleansing, Mao, Stalin, or the Democrats with Planned Parenthood. Yeah, think about that, really. Think about the deaths of COVID, how many deaths there were with COVID, and then how many deaths there are with abortions in America. I mean, it's it's not even comparable. It's staggering. So what what is your view, though, with abortion? Now that we have that coming up, you know, for people that, you know, are sitting here listening to you and watching you and saying, you know, I really didn't know his views on certain things. I'd like to ask you a couple of things on, you know, certain topics, that being abortion. What's your stance on it? Has it ever changed? Has it been the same? I can't say it, it, it's not changed. As a, When I was younger, I may have thought differently, but, you know, I haven't really... I don't really remember what I thought in my 20s and early 30s, but I, I have a strange view as a person who's getting into politics. My religion, my faith, I believe it begins at conception. That's my faith, my religion. Not everybody in my district, not everybody in this country believes in my faith and my religion. So I'm going with science because you cannot deny science. What's the heartbeat of a child? I want to start where we can just stop the murders and get everybody on the same page. I can't force someone to believe in what I believe in. I believe in its conception. I wanna know when that baby has a heartbeat. And from that moment on, don't touch it. Don't touch it and then let's work further left to when we can determine anything closer to what my beliefs are, but I can't, there's too many people, too many religions, too many faiths in this country for me to force mine on everyone. I wanna know what the science is. When is that be? Is it heartbeat? Is it conception? I, I don't know. I'm not a scientist. I would love to say, hey, it's got to. It has to be conception. What I would do, love to say that, but how do you feel? What is your opinion then when someone says, okay, listen, I kind of agree with you with the abortion at at heartbeat, but there's got to be some type of exceptions, Rob. Right? Oh, of course, this is what they're saying, like say rape, right? Well, you know, if the mother is life's in jeopardy. There's just too many people associated with that mother, kids, husband, parents, brothers and sisters, to allow that woman to die giving birth. The baby hasn't touched anyone's life yet. That I understand. I have a hard time with this a lot and, and, and I need to go to church more. But again, I believe it's, it's at conception. If my daughter was raped I don't know what I would do. My thing is, and, and, and I'm not sitting here trying to play doctor I, or anything. There are so many people who've lived through rape, rape and had the, those kids, and they're beautiful human beings. They but are then, beautiful human beings, but, but isn't there something else? And, and listen, and, yeah. and, and I'm not a doctor. I'm not sitting here. I'm against abortion. But what about, you know, if, 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 if the person is raped, the female victim is raped, what is it, there's plan B. If you were raped today... 
and you were afraid that you might get pregnant because you could just go the next day to any CVS or any Walgreens, take a plan B, and that's the end of it. And I and and listen, I don't think in science there's going to be a heartbeat. I, I like you said, when is the heartbeat? I agree with that one hundred percent. When is that heartbeat? When is there a nat you know a natural heartbeat? I think that's when life is actual forming. But I don't think it's the next day. No, it's not. So isn't that an easy fix for people to say, well, what about rape? When you hear, say, Elizabeth Warren running on the steps of Congress or or, or the Supreme Court and saying, you know, what about victims of rape? What are we going to do with people like that? Well, again, like I said, there's, there's, there's an alternative for that. Well, what's their argument? Not now you're making women have to come forward the next day. What if they don't have... The, the support structure to come forward. Maybe they're embarrassed. I mean, if I got raped, I would be a little bit embarrassed. 100%. Um, maybe that's the area we focus. Put more money and resources into rape victims and, and get them the, the support structures that if this happens, you know, instead of seeing, you know, drug commercials every five seconds for every single drug in the world, age drugs and all these drugs, how about doing some rape commercials about... You get raped, you call this number, we'll be there. How about flooding the airways with that? So it's a good idea. It's give, actually a great idea. Give people more. Hey, like, there's a guy, his name is Mike Colano, um, combat marine, massive PTSD. He did a testimonial on my webpage, and, and, and it is tearjerker. This guy, I, I had to go to the PTSD ward to help this guy out, and he's like, who the hell is this guy? But um, I asked him to do a testimonial for me for my veteran group and he's like I don't know if I feel comfortable I'm, I'm a little embarrassed I said Mike if you want to save lives people got to know they're struggling with the same things you're struggling with they're suffering the same as you your suffering's no more no less but if they see someone strong out there saying I'm going through this I wanted to kill myself I didn't this guy helped me you can get help the more people see people fighting through this suffering the stronger they're going to be why aren't we doing that for rape victims instead of saying you could just not say anything. It's okay. It's your right, and we'll just kill that baby. Maybe make them feel like come out the next day, or maybe that you maybe you could have the baby, or maybe but, have like you said some type of support group that it's anonymous, that people could be there. But set up I, something like a twelve-year-old getting raped if she doesn't come out for six months because she's scared. She doesn't know what the heck to do, and, no, and maybe it was like her stepdad or something. I, I'm having problems with that one. Like yes. if a twelve-year-old, like, and and it's. I agree with you with I that. Mean, I mean, I remember my wife being pregnant twice, and I think it's after, what, like eight weeks or six weeks, you see the bump. I mean, the parents got to see something. Yeah. You know, at that But sometimes point, it, they don't. True. Sometimes they're oblivious. Sometimes the kid could do a great job of, of, you know, not showing, not being around, wearing, you know, a really big hooded sweatshirt, and you wouldn't be able to but tell. But if, 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 if there were more things out there to let a kid know, you know, you watch, my kids watch Disney Channel, all these channels, and all you see is... Everything about CRT and DEI. How about some supportive commercials there saying, if anything happens, speak to your parents. Remember when we were kids? Yeah. Oh, uh, oh yeah. There was a um, commotion, motion. Then, what's, what's your, your function? function? Yeah. How about something like that? Yeah. Uh, conjunction, junction. Right. What's your function? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. How about something support telling kids, entrust your parents. And this is why you won't hear it. Entrust your parents. Speak to your parents. Open up to your parents. How about more cartoons saying, your parents are the ones you go to with problems. No, you'll never see that. This is where critical, this is where Common Core came from. They made it so difficult for parents to do homework with their kids that the kids go to the institution, the teacher. I was, I was, my daughter, it was right in the beginning of that whole Common Core thing. You know, I used to take, I'm a single parent. So 
during the week when I would have her. I'd have her, you know, on the weekends too, but during the week when I would have her, say, for dinner. We'd go to Applebee's, get some dinner, and then we'd do the homework right there. Bring out the homework, I couldn't even do it. Why I though? had no idea how to do it. Do you know why? <clears throat> Control. You take the parent out of helping them with homework, they go to the institution. I didn't even think of that until you said it just now. But think of everything. It's true. Why is Northwell getting involved in school districts? Why is Northwell saying, we'll put a counselor in every school, so if your kid has a problem, let's say your child, no, I'm not gonna say let's say my daughter, she's 11, tells a teacher, I wanna commit suicide. They want the teacher to not go to the parent, to go to a Northwell counselor, well, the Northwell Council will assign her help and your insurance is going to pay for it. They want parents out of all rearing and raising of children. So the kids grow up learning, when I have a problem, I go to the government. It was abortion taking care of their problems. It was single-payer health care will take care of your health. It was, it's always another step on the government being the parent. And who said that? Hillary, right? Yep. It takes a village to raise your kid. Bullshit. I raise my kid. I do the healthcare of my, I'm in charge of healthcare. I'm in charge of education. What is your opinion on this whole transgender movement? I don't even know what transgender is. What is it? There's men and there's women. Men stay the hell out of women's lives. You don't belong in their sports, you don't belong in their restrooms. Women have restrooms for a reason because men are animals. Well, let me stop you right there though. So is that the case that men shouldn't have any say in, in abortion? No. See, I disagree with you with that takes two to tango. Why is it that if you want to have the child, I have to now, now I'm here on the hook to support it. And I'm not saying, hey, I'm a single parent, it happened to me. I, I did what I had, you know, I'm a father. I wanted to raise that child. But if the father doesn't want to, he's still on the hook. But if the mother oh, wants to abort the baby, the father has no say. Well, they should both have a say. It's, if it's my baby, I should have a say. You should have a say. Of course. That's, well, that's what I'm saying. But yet you just said though, Stay out of, you know, is there a comparison there? Is there a, is there a gray line? Because you oh, said I'm stay sorry. out of a woman's life. And there, what? Uh, okay, I, I, I misspoke. What I meant to say is you're born a man, you don't belong in women's sports. If you're born a man, you don't belong in women's bathrooms. If you're born a man, stay wherever men stay and do whatever men do. Stay out of women's lives in terms of their sports and their, their, their bathrooms and, you know, anything, their country clubs. Women had a long fight to get to where they're equal. Now all of a sudden men are competing against them? No, transgender is a disorder. Listen, if someone's beaten up on someone because they're transgender, the person who's bullying them is gonna get a whooping. And I teach my kids that. There are people who are different. And if you ever see a bully, that's why they both take karate. One's a brown belt, one's a orange belt. You take the bully down. There's no questions, there's no, don't worry about lawsuits, you take the bully down. The same with transgender. If someone's different, they're they're different. But you're not forcing your disorder on the rest of the world. It's just. How did you think? How do you think that? You know, obviously, it's Democrats who the rise. I mean, when I was in elementary school, I never even heard of the word transgender before. How do you think that happened? How do you think this whole thing with the transgender movement happened? What is it? It comes back to the institution, to the schools. The, the kids are looking to the parent, to the teachers and to the educators and to the institutions for guidance instead of a parent saying, uh, no, you're a boy and you're gonna dress like a boy and you're gonna play football and you're gonna do things as a boy. And once you get past that odd phase when you're a teenager, 
you know where, where you're going. But you know, there's odd phases in, in, in hormonal phases when kids are growing up. I'm not a scientist, but I just remember being. But you're a human being. There are odd phases when you're a kid. I don't know what's going on. Things are moving. And I don't know why this things happening to me in the middle of the night. Like it's just what we go through. Yeah. If someone's in the school, <laughs> if a teacher's you know gay, and you you go to that teacher and say I, I'm confused, and that teacher's telling you, well, it's okay, you can like boys. I'm just saying uh, that kid's gonna think it's okay. Right there, I think, is when you say, hey, listen, that's when the teacher calls the parent. Right. And let the parent then but, parent. But what they're doing is they're, they're, they're giving their advice because they believe it's their place to teach about sexuality in school. So when a teacher thinks sexuality is a subject, you get this, this mess. And a kid who wants, a boy who wants to dress up as a girl should see a psychologist and find out what's wrong. Because you have, what do we have, two X chromosomes? They have an X and Y. One, no, they have two X. What is it? Eric, what is it? I think it, we, guys or girls, the X and the Y chromosomes. Can you, I would have to say we're the oddballs with the X and Y. Uh, yeah. I, but I don't know. Yeah, look that up real quick for but us. I don't want to sit here and Biology say dictates it. You don't see trans lions, you know? There's, there's men and there's women. Yeah, no, I agree. I want to move into another topic here about Donald Trump. Met with him the other day. It was did, great. Did you? Did, oh, were you down in Mar-a-Lago? I know there's a higher power because what happened to me about three weeks ago was incredible. Uh, I want to hear this. I mean, I love Donald Trump, so how, so tell me about this so experience. I was, I was going down to Mar-a-Lago for Lee Zeldin event. I like Lee. He's a nice guy. I've, I've been to one of his events here. Um, I'm not endorsing Lee. I'm just saying he's a nice guy. I like him. I was supporting him. I didn't know Andrew Giuliani at the time. So I was going down there for an event in Mar-a-Lago for Lee. Why don't you want to, why would, okay, so he's a nice guy. You don't want to endorse him. You also have Andrew Giuliani. And, I'm, you know, listen, let's just be honest here. Mayor Giuliani came out and endorsed you. Is that correct? Yes. Is that one of the reasons why you don't want to endorse Lee Zeldin? Uh, that endor you be, I mean, listen, it is I, what I, it is. I'll tell you that I, I did not get involved in the governor's race because I didn't like I like Lee. Andrew Garbarino does not belong in Congress. When you call people on January 6th terrorists, when you call it an insurrection... You're talking... So let's, for people that may not know local politics here, Andrew Garbarino, just explain... Andrew Garbarino is our congressman in the 2nd Congressional District. He was one of the 13 Republicans who voted for the January 6th committee to investigate... It was against Trump. Right. And he called everyone down there terrorists. He called it an insurrection. He voted for the January 6th committee. He voted for the infrastructure bill. He voted for HR8 restrictions on gun owners. Go. He's got to go. He voted for a, a joint resolution that put more restrictions on oil and natural gas. Now, my problem is Lee Zeldin endorsed this guy. Now, forget that I'm running against him. He endorsed him. It doesn't sit well. Well, I think that's admirable of you for having those views and what you just said, but yet you're still speaking highly of Lee Zeldin. I think that is, you know, I think that kind of answers the thing. These guys play at a higher level than me. They're 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 constantly moving and figuring out. He's running in in New York, which is it's not a, 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 a crimson red district. It's not one of the things I can forgive. Not that I'm running against him. It's just he voted to call people in America terrorists, and they're terrorists crossing our border every day, and you say nothing, and you endorse the guy. But I'm not I'm not involved in that governor's race. So, I likely, but you went down there to support him. 
And probably also to see Donald Trump, obviously. Well, I sold 13 tickets for that, $13,000 tickets, so I would get to go to dinner afterwards. But the funny thing about it is I met um, Andrew Giuliani at an event in Whitestone, and we talked a little bit. He's a nice guy. And he said, listen, I, I read a lot about you. I want my father to endorse you. And I laughed. I'm like, does this guy want my endorsement? What am I? I'm a nothing, you know? What did you think of me and Giuliani before this even took place? Love him. I absolutely love the, the stuff that Rudy these Giuliani. guys went through when he was though, but in New York as oh, a yeah. mayor. I mean, it was that's when the New York City was humming. That's when you wanted to go down there. That's when you would take the weekend. You remember when he cleaned up Forty Second Street? Oh, it was the best. First of all, it was you know when I used to go down to Forty Second Street as a seventeen-year-old kid, and we're taking you know you know the LIE into the Midtown Tunnel, and you want to drive around Forty Second Street because you're sixteen, seventeen years old. You want to see hookers for the first time yep, or whatever. Yep. Hey, listen, that's that's where it was, and then all of a sudden, like that. 42nd Street was... Went after the mob. Immaculate. Went after the mob as well. Yeah. He cleaned it up. You went down to New York City. You could sit in a subway. You didn't care. You didn't think of anything. And now and, it's complete. And he defended police. But Flynn, Giuliani, their lives were destroyed. I mean, they went... Their, their legal fees were more money than we'll ever see in our lives. I mean, what they went through for this country, whether you believe them or not, they put it all out there because they believed in something. But... Andrew said, I want to introduce you to my father. He knows about you. I think he wants to endorse you. Let me set that up. I said, well, I was telling him, I'm going to this Lee Zeldin defend. I haven't come out and endorsed anyone. He's like, I'm not looking for your endorsement. I want to help you. You are an America first guy. I've read everything about you. He's like, you, everything you've done up until the point you, you, you decided you were going to run is what everyone needs to do. It's like, no one's done with you. He's like, you're a mercy. You no, know, he said, you're a you're a Maserati locked in a garage. He's like, you have everything on your resume. You've done everything, but no one knows you. You're locked in a garage. I'm going to help you. I want to introduce you to my dad. You got Flynn. I'm like, all right. He says, you know what? One bet it. You said you're going down to a Zeldin event next Friday, right? I said, yeah. He said, come down Thursday. Come down Wednesday night. Meet me at Trump International on Thursday. This is in West Palm, right? Yeah. He's like, meet me at Trump International on Wednesday. I golf on Thursdays. Trump golfs on Thursdays. My table in the grill room is right next to his. I'll introduce you. And I'm sitting here going, what? What just happened? Yeah. I'm getting Mayor Rudy yeah. Giuliani. I'm getting. So we go down in my buddy Tom Sullivan and me. And of course, we're early. I'm always early, 30 minutes. Yeah. You don't got to tell us. Yeah. We know. And, uh, Guys here an hour early sitting in the parking lot. I loved it, though. Go ahead. Um, so we're sitting in the grill room and Andrew comes in. He goes, fellas. I'm so sorry. Trump, it's like a 5% chance he'd never golf. He doesn't golf here on a Thursday. He went somewhere else. We're like, all right. I just don't care. I'm like, okay. He goes, I feel bad. Come to dinner with me and my dad tonight at Mar-a-Lago. I'm like, what? He's like, we sit right next to Trump. So this is in the member area, not where the Lee Zeldin's event was, which is like a room where they do an event and hopefully Trump comes out and interacts for five seconds. <laughs> what a life this guy's got. <laughs> my plan Trump. was like to say to Trump, I'm running against Garbarino. He's one of your 13. I need you help. That was like my line for the three seconds you get with Trump at these events. At Mar-a-Lago, well, I was insane. At, at, at the member area. So I walk in with my buddy Tommy. My, my son, my seven-year-old's name is Christian, but I spelled it without the H. We like the Romanian way of spelling Christian. The guy at the front desk, we were not members, so we weren't allowed in. His name was Christian, spelled that way. So I started talking to him. I, I said, yeah, that's where I wanted to get stationed with the DIAs in Romania. I love it. I'm Romanian, he said. We start talking about the names. Let me sit you at the table. So now we're sitting at Mar-a-Lago, and 
How is it inside? We just, I just real quick, I don't mean to interrupt. So unbelievable. Three weeks ago, my girlfriend and I went down to West Palm Beach, and then we went to Naples. With you know, we want to maybe eventually move down to Florida. So two of the spots was West Palm and Naples. We drove down to, so we drove to Mar-a-Lago just to see it. Where actually, we don't. Two idiots, like ten-year-olds, sitting outside the gate and asking the security guards, "What's it like inside there?" You know, I mean, I wish I was able to go in, but that's that, was, that's my Mar-a-Lago story. I think it was a Mar- Marjorie Post. Um, yeah, I think it was a post. You know, like CW Post. Yeah, I think that family owned it. it it's it's incredible. I mean, I, I've never seen anything like it in my life. It's just it's insane. So this guy Christian sits us down, right? Andrew comes in. He's like, "Yeah, I don't want you sitting here. I want you sitting here. I want you facing the president." My dad will sit. You'll sit between me and my dad. We're getting you this endorsement. Make a long story short. Giuliani brings me over there. The father. You got to back this guy. He's running against Garrino. Trump's like, well, that's one of the 13 I'm taking out. He's like, I took out six already. I said, well, you leave the seventh to me. I'm taking this guy down. He does not belong in Congress. He's like, fantastic. I'm looking you up. We stayed there till about 1030. People started leaving. Rudy's like, let's go smoke some cigars. Just his girlfriend, Maria, Rudy, my buddy, Tommy, me till 130 in the morning. In another place that you just wouldn't even know exists. We drive him home. The next day, we're getting ready for Lee Zeldin's event. It's about three o'clock. My buddy Tommy's like, bro, get in here. You're on the radio. I'm like, what? Rudy Giuliani has his three to four show every day. Yeah, this is a podcast. The first half of the show, he's talking about me. We're like, holy Jesus, this is crazy. Well, so now we're pumped up. We get to the Zeldin event, right? For some reason, I step out of the event for two seconds in the hallway. My back was killing me. There's that guy Christian. Like, it was just made to be. He's like, hey, your buddy's upstairs having dinner with David Webb. I said, who? He goes, Rudy, you want me to bring you to him? I'm thinking, what? Sure. I bring Sean Faresh from the Long Island Loud Majority. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had eight hours with the guy. Let me share. I don't know why I thought that, but it's important. Bring him down there. We're talking uh, Rudy. I've been on David Webb's show several times. Dave's like, Sean's oh. been on this show, too. Yeah, he's great. Yeah. Great guy. Yeah, so Sean was like, I can't believe you're bringing me. I'm like, well, I was with them. You have some time with them. You know, it's, yeah. just, it's just the way I am. Now I'm talking to David Webb. And David Webb's like, you're on my show all the time. It's great to meet you. Rudy speaks so highly of you. And Rudy's girlfriend, Maria, called, says, come here. Rudy met, had breakfast with Donald this morning for about an hour. They talked about you and the endorsement. I'm like, oh, that's awesome. I go back and get my buddy Tommy, right? Now I feel bad. My other buddy's still inside Leah's event. We go back. Now we're there about 40 minutes. I'm like, ah, we got to get out of here. We're here. He's got to try and eat dinner. Yeah. Had I gone by myself, I would have been there 10 minutes. Now, because I had two other people with me, it was like 40 minutes. We're walking back. Who do we bump into? Going back, Donald Trump. Like, at that exact second. He's with, um, I guess, his, his gatekeeper. So I introduced myself. He goes, I know you're Robert Corncelli. You're running a second congressional district army. He knew everything. And I'm looking at him. How'd you know that? He goes, when Donald Trump tells us, well, when President Trump tells us to research somebody, we do and then donald came over we said hello he's like i love everything you're doing oh, i love it that's great how did that make you feel to be honest with you I, well, honest with me how does how does something like that make you feel just being in those exact places bumping into the guy christian bumping into him again bumping into trump it, how was i in those places there it is yeah so you see the pool yeah right up above the pool where those uh, um, umbrellas are that's where the members all sit and eat um if you if you walk to the right of the pool 
you see that corridor down on the top right hand? Yep. That's where the events are held. So, but all the all the members, they're right by those umbrellas. That's where they have dinner, like I guess every night, or you know, you see Katie McFarlane and Radcliffe, all his people. That's where they eat. This area, I think, is where everyone lives. I, don't I have to tell you something. He has some gig right now. I know he's not president, uh, but the fact that he comes in like a Don, like literally, like like Don Corleone comes down, I'm going to give my endorsement, maybe you see him, maybe you don't. What a great... I, I loved him since The Art of the Deal. That's when I first... You know, I used to read... He's going back and forth into Manhattan all the time, and I read his book for the first time, you know, talking about when it first came out. And I loved the guy. And just to see you, the sto- you know, hear the stories that you're telling me, and, and he's and a presence. When we were eating, his iPad was hooked up to the ra- to the speakers, and he was playing all the different songs that he wanted to listen. When Bocelli came on, he'd get up <laughs> and he'd go Bocelli. like this, yeah, and yeah, yeah, he'd, yeah. everyone was singing. Like it was just crazy. Yeah, it was, it's. I don't. What people say about him is just insane. He's just a different person. So the whole thing about me getting into Donald Trump, my question was, do you think that America? And how it was before, you know, when Donald Trump was president, and then the situation we're in now. Do you think he would be the right guy in 2024? Or do you think it may be somebody else's time, like say Ron DeSantis? Had Ukraine, Russia not happened, the food shortage not happened, had all uh, the the situation we're in right now requires a very very special person with special non political attributes, you know not. Ron DeSantis could wait another four years. I think we need him now. No one's going to get us out of this mess. Uh, Ron DeSantis is great. Was in Annapolis. I mean, I don't know if he has the presence yet like Trump has. When Trump walks into a room with world leaders, they're like, "Uh uh-oh. I don't know if Ron DeSantis has that yet. I don't know if he's got that scare. You know, Trump intimidates people. But it's also great that he's already was there. So he can yeah. pick up right yeah. where he left yeah. off. Yeah. He knows what he needs to do. So in my opinion, yeah, I think Trump is... I think if Trump was elected today, Ukraine and Russia, the whole entire conflict would be over. Another topic I just want to get your opinion on is right now what's happening at the United States border. What's do, you know if, if you're in Congress and you have any say in what we're doing here, what, what would you do? Would you do, you know, would you keep it how it is right now? Would you do anything different? Well, I met with the the um, consul general to El Salvador about a week ago. We're going to the border, I think, the first week in June, and then we're flying to El Salvador. I, I, I think what we need to do, stop sending people money. I think we need to invest a lot of money because it is our national security in El Sal in, in in Central America. Get rid of the gangs. Just go down there and clean house. Make it safe. I've been there. I used to go down there several times a year with computers, school books, toys, school supplies. They're poor. They're living in fear every day. I don't blame them for trying to get the heck out of there. It's a it's a bad situation. But that doesn't give you the right to break our laws. Doesn't give you the right to jump ahead of all the people from your your country who've been waiting online. That border needs to be sealed tight. Customs of Border Patrol, ICE need to be fully funded and able to take care of that issue at the border. You're not coming across. You're going to the next safest country. You're not coming in, just sorry. Turn around. You do that, no one's coming. But help them also. I am in America first all the way. But if we don't help people in Central America, you're not going to stop them from coming. Those women, they're going to get raped. They're going to get killed. Those kids, they're sold into slavery. We are human. 
There's no reason we can't invest a little bit of money into getting rid of the gangs and the drugs, stopping fentanyl, stopping China. You would think that instead of spending this $800 million in Ukraine, uh, you know, obviously Russia has more of an interest in the borders of Ukraine than we should at all. We have no interest in, and even, you know, and I hate to say it, it was Obama back in 2015 or 16 who's the one who said, we have zero interest. We should, you know, what is happening with Russia and Ukraine. That's their war. It's never going, going to go away. The interest that Russia has in Ukraine doesn't ever even suffice to what we have, or should we say that the interest that we have doesn't suffice to what theirs is, and we should stay away and mind our business in that. And like you said before, if, if we had Iran or we had China sitting in Mexico, what would be, you know, what would we be doing? It's the exact same thing that Russia is doing, but we just keep poking that bear. But we, we, we need to help out the people in Central America. It would be great to do that. Get rid of the cartels, the fentanyl that's coming across the border, killing our United States citizens. You know, how having this low wage income workers coming across the border, you know, if you really cared about black Americans, black Americans, they represent a majority of what? Of working class. You're taking all of those working class jobs by giving it these illegals that are not even going, getting paid on the books. They're taking away all of the jobs. And don't forget school resources because schools don't turn Schools do not ask a kid, even if they don't speak a lick of English, where do you live? So they're supposed to, they're supposed to check your address. Hi, my name is Robert Corncelli. I live at Five Lower Place, Beth Page, wherever I live, you know. I have two kids. They don't check to see who else lives there. So I could be renting the house out to 20 illegal alien families and those 20 illegal alien families can register the 40 kids in the school district. But I'm only paying taxes on that house for a single family. Schools are not doing anything to stop this. So you're taking up valuable school resources, food, housing, apartments going through the roof, the prices because of all the illegal aliens. So who's it hurting? Like you said, minorities. They're, they're suffering from illegal, uh, illegal immigration. We could stop it, seal the border, and start helping out getting rid of the drug dealers because that's what they're saying it's not that they're being discriminated and oppressed because of their beliefs are all catholic down there most of them it's the unsafe conditions the drug dealers it's the you know the cartels get rid of them you we know where they are you were talking about before the show started we were talking about when the the vote is for your district for you, the race that you're running here it was originally, I believe, June 28th. You said it got pushed back to August 23rd. Before we ended, you know, here, tell us a little bit about how people can go out, vote, what is the date, and, you know, talk to us a little bit about, you know, what you're, what you're doing from now until then to make sure that you have some type of victory here. Yeah, so the Democrat, the, the highest court in New York ruled that the Democrat, and these are the two highest courts in New York are, are just filled with Democrats and liberals, but they even voted that the lines that were drawn by the Democrats were unconstitutional. So what does that do? I started out in the first district. The second set of maps, I was in the, sec in the third district. The third set of maps, I was in the second district. The fourth set of maps, I was in the first district. Now they're redoing them again after we went out and did all our petitioning, got on the ballot, even though... Garcia and his crew filed several lawsuits to have us thrown off the ballot. We still beat them and got enough signatures to get on the ballot. All thrown out. Why wouldn't Garcia, real quick, why wouldn't he just want a regular playing field? The best man Weak. wins for the Republican Party. Weakness. 
I mean, it makes sense, though, right? Let's have the, you know, we're all Republicans here. Because they believe in the old, I'm the godfather, it's what I say. And if I say it's going to be you, who the heck is Robert Cornicelli to doubt that I have the authority? Or or I'm able to judge who's got the best character, because that's what they think they're doing. They're judging you to see if you have the character and what it takes to be a congressperson. Uh, Have you looked at yourself? You have, you're no, you're no... You're in no position to judge anyone's. That guy is in no position to judge anybody's character anywhere on the planet. He's not a good person. And the people in, in Suffolk should stand up and say, we need to put someone in there who really cares about the schools and the kids and the parents. And you never hear him talking about how moms can't find baby, baby formula. They, it has to change. If we're going to change anything in this country, we have to win locally. School boards, fire districts, sanitation districts, water districts, everything locally, put in good people who care, who don't want anything. Then you take over the local towns. No more lifelong career politicians. Every politician out here has been in there forever. Look at the Brookhaven supervisor. He's been everywhere. Judy Pascal, she's running for county clerk, right? This woman is one of the greatest elected officials Suffolk has ever seen. She fired someone who's on the inside. Chairperson didn't like that. Told her she's not getting the endorsement to run again. And ran a conservative against her. He thought she was going to bow out. Most of us got behind her and said, you're not knocking her out. Well, she's a career politician. Your own Brookhaven supervisor who's been there longer than her is a career politician. You're not primarying her, I mean him, you're taking out the woman, you're going after the woman because you don't think she can fight back, she just beat him to get on the ballot. I love it. Absolutely They're weak, it. brother. They're weak. And they're weak. You ever, ever meet the person who knows he can't beat you or she can't beat you, so instead of striving harder to beat you or whatever it is, they try to bring you back down. Down and knock you. And That's what, what they do. They want to take away from you rather than add to themselves. And, and you know what? We learned in the military, that doesn't work. Either you can hit the 300 meter target or you're dead. Yeah, or you don't. Yeah, so you either get hit the 300 meter target or get a 300 in your PT score or you're not gonna be in the top 1%. You're not gonna make that guy not get a 300. We can do two rocks under his hand yeah. when he's doing his push-ups. All right, can you pull up the website real quick? So tell so, us. About, so yeah, so the, the the new primary is August twenty third. You were asking about that. Tell us a little bit about how people can go out and donate to your campaign. Well, that's the key. I mean, we just spent close to thirty thousand dollars on legal fees just because the Demo- the Republicans wanted to try to knock us off the ballot. So we are at www.cornichelliforcongress.com. That's me and my big there nose. There you go. Look at that. America first. That's right. Oh, um, I love it. I love and, it. And that that that's what it takes. We got the ground crew. We're everywhere and anywhere, and we've been doing this for years. We've been helping people all over Long Island. Um, we have the message. Just it's like Andrew said. You're you're a Maserati in a garage, and the key to getting out is getting your word out. So. We're doing shows. You know, I'm on David Webb. We're doing Fox. Well, you know, we're getting out there. But uh, well, listen. I want to just tell you that I, I really appreciate you coming on here. Oh, it's a pleasure. I like Honor. your politics. I like what you have to say. You know, it, it sounds like you know people don't know that the local politics is is just as dirty as what's going on, say, in Washington D.C. From you know, from D- the sounds it's of it, dirtier because they're your neighbors. They're in your community, and they're Republicans. <laughs> And the Republicans. Yeah. So, yeah. So, but listen, let's go out there. Make sure that you go out. 
You, oh, I thought you had it still up there. No big deal. Robert Cornicelli. Again, and what the website is what? Cornicelliforcongress.com. And, and, and I just ask one thing. Vet your candidates. People think that their responsibility is to vote. No, it's changed. We no longer can have put faith in our leaders. Vet your candidates. Look them up. Check their social media feeds six months before they started running. You can vet them before they even get to the leaders. Run for your local committee spots. That's how these leaders stay in power. They control the committeemen. Run for your local committee spot. Call up the Republican Party say, I want to be a committeeman. I have to tell you, too, what you do for veterans alone, the work that you do, how you view veterans, you're a veteran yourself alone, makes you, you know, makes people, should, should make people want to go out and vote for you. Because without the veterans, without what they've done, this country wouldn't even exist. We owe, a, a, you know, a tremendous debt. We owe everything to our veterans. So what you're doing to that, I got to tell you, I really appreciate it. And, Thanks, and brother. It, and it was a great, great opportunity to meet you. I really appreciate that. I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so listen, we're going to wrap it up here. If you get a chance, you can go over to our website, thejocozoshow.com. Also, our YouTube page. We're also on Rumble. And we're streaming on every audio device on Stitcher, uh, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, you name it. And with that being said, we're out. Thank you. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, but that wraps it up for another edition of the Joe Cozo Show. <laughs>